Uh, hello and welcome to WGBC podcast. Uh, today we're doing the book club portion of the book club part of our name and we'll be talking about Twilight. So welcome aboard. Hopefully you've read it. If you haven't, here's a quick summary. So Bella is a 17 year old girl who lives in Phoenix with her mom. She decides to move in with her father in Forks. I think that's Washington, right? Yeah. And follows through with that decision, despite realizing it was a bad one. This proves to be her defining character trait, poor decision-making, and exceptional follow-through. Something that Bella has overtly aware of and mentions multiple times throughout the 500-page story. Uh, Bella's father buys her a cool old truck, which Bella is excited about, but concerned that she will be unable to fix it if it breaks down. Uh, They talk about this truck for about 100 pages. Chekhov's gun is presented. Bella is concerned about uh, going to school where everyone knows, has known each other since they were toddlers and she will be an outsider. After two days, she becomes the most popular girl at school, turning down multiple offers from boys who are instantly infatuated with her and want to take her to an upcoming dance. Uh, she instead has her eyes on a beautiful, mysterious boy named Edward Cullen. He seems to hate her and bullies her on the day she decides to come to school at all. At one point, uh, he saves her life when she's almost hit by a car. He seems to possess extraordinary abilities, but angrily threatens Bella into keeping her mouth shut about them. Uh, Bella goes to the beach with her friends and meets another boy who is instantly infatuated with her named Jacob Black. Jacob is an expert at car repair. Chekhov's gun is now cocked for a rescue scene. Jacob warns Bella that the Cullens are rumored to be vampires. Uh, Bella goes dress shopping with her new friends. She is separated and pursued by some would-be kidnappers, but is saved by Edward, who kidnaps her instead and bullies her into dinner and away from her friends. Edward, over the next couple days, reveals that he is not only instantly infatuated with Bella, but he has been stalking her and is in fact a vampire. And the vampires are especially adapted to tricking women into falling in love with them. Bella falls in love with him. He also reveals that at every moment that they are together, he wants to kill her. Bella is worried about meeting Edward's family, who turns out to be lovely and very nice to her. Uh, At a particularly poorly chosen date at a baseball game in Thunderstorm, we begin the climax of the book. We briefly meet a gang of other vampires we have never heard of before. I would like to point out that this happens around page 400 of my 500-page copy of Twilight. The new group's leader, James, is instantly infatuated with Bella. Edward reads his mind because he can do stuff like that and discovers that this vampire is a tracker, something that we have never heard of before, and we, he will stop at nothing to kill Bella. Bella goes back to Phoenix with Edward's siblings to escape. Edward's sister uses her powers to see the future, but chooses not to act on anything she sees, despite knowing the location of James and their plan being to ambush him. Bella decides to run away and sticks to that decision. Uh, she inexplicably is able to evade the Cullens, despite displaying throughout the book that she can hardly walk without falling over and runs directly to her stalker, but not Edward James. Instead of murdering her on the spot, James does the classic villain tell all and decides aloud that he would prefer to murder Edward instead. This proves to be a bad decision and Edward and his family free Bella, presumably slaughtering James in the process and burning his body. Bella returns to Forks and is gaslit into yet another awful date with Edward. He takes her to the prom and then kills her baby. The end. Jacob never fixes Bell's truck. Maybe next time. <laughs> oh wow, that was a good sum. I pretty I much it. got it all in. in good like, summary. That was what two hundred words. Oh my gosh! Well, it's a whole lot of nothing that does happen in that book. Um, but we're putting our money where our mouths, our mouths are on this podcast because we harp on and on about reading, 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 and how reading makes you a better writer. And so part of this whole group is making sure that we are actually reading and we want to read books that have mass market appeal. And Twilight is certainly one of those books. So it has a very interesting and kind of exceptional origin story that I'd like to just get into quickly. So in Stephanie Mayer's own words, she knows the exact date 
that she began to write Twilight because it all happened for her in a dream. So on the morning of June 2nd, 2003, she woke up from a very vivid dream in which two people were having an intense conversation in a meadow in the woods. One of these people was just your average girl. The other person was a fantastically beautiful, sparkly, and a vampire. They were discussing the difficulties inherent in the fact that A, they were falling in love with each other, and B, the vampire was particularly attracted to the scent of her blood and was having a difficult time restraining himself from killing her immediately. This, this is all on Stephanie Mayer's website, by the way. I'm reading this verbatim from her website. Um, and chapter 13 is actually a transcript of that dream that she wrote out. She couldn't stop thinking about the story and every day from that point on wrote. And in about three months, the 500 page book was completed. She edited it ruthlessly and then sent it out to agents, which she queried. She sent it to about 15 and then received a positive response for someone wanting to represent her book. This agent then sent it out to multiple publishing companies one of the executives got a copy and read it on a very long flight. And when the flight landed, she basically called Stephanie and her agent and said, I want to publish this book. The entire process from Stephanie's dream to it being purchased by a publisher was six months. Wow, that's crazy. It is crazy. It's practically unheard of. And to make it even more interesting, there was actually a bidding war for this book, um, which was eventually won by Little Brown, which published it. And it was a worldwide phenom. Was it her Mostly, debut book? It was her debut book. It was That's the first incredible. book she'd ever written. Yes, it's incredible. It's actually unheard of. And mostly it was through word of mouth that the story of this book got around. Um, it came out, I think, in 2005. And then the movie starring um, Robert Pattinson and uh, Kristen Stewart, two of maybe the best actors of our generation, which we can talk about when the movie actually, when we watch it, um, came out in 2008 and it just catapulted this grouping of books like this. It's called the Twilight Saga into the stratosphere. And it was like a billion dollar franchise. So when I talk about like we are reading books like that enter the popular imagination that defy genre that go like insane and attract interest from all different people, all different walks of life. This book was instrumental in getting young girls to read again. So it's funny because I'm sure what we're going to talk about in the reviews is that I'm not sure this is actually a very good book. Um, one reviewer on TikTok, I think, did a great job of kind of summarizing how I feel about it, where he goes, I don't think this book was written with specifically anyone in mind. I think it was just written for Stephanie Mayer. <laughs> and I think that is absolutely true. Um, yeah, so I guess like, you know, if you guys are ready, we can kind of get into our individual reviews on this book. I just want a quick disclaimer before we do that. I'll, I'll point out because we're going to be like reviewing books on this. Our stuff is on Patreon. We're also vulnerable. For sure, everything I've written is worse than Twilight. That's not. Oh yeah, question. no one no okay. here thinks that they're going to be more okay, successful good. than yeah. her or anything like that. And she's obviously an exceptional writer. But um, yeah, but moving forward, I like we're going to be critiquing the book for sure. I think it's fair to like critique a person that's made a billion dollars off their book. Right. I, I think like. But don't go down to the comment section saying like, these guys think they're better than Stephanie Mayer. Like, that's not what this is all about. It's not what this is all about. And, um, but I think we're allowed to like take issue, like as people that are studying the craft, some of the like problems that exist in her writing. And I think like a lot of people can kind of agree about. So, yes, I totally agree with what you're saying, Pat, but I think we can have like a pretty frank discussion also about, you know, some of the issues inherent in, in the work here. Perfect. Um, um, who wants to go first with their review? I want to hear what Lance has to say. Um, all right. Sounds good. I'll go first. 
uh, just to pick up on something we just said, yeah, that you just said, Jess. Well, I think we've we've said this a few times on the podcast. We've said it a lot earlier. Is that we do do write the book for yourself. So I do applaud if that reviewer is correct. I'm really glad that the author wrote a book for herself because that's what we should be doing, or else it's not going to be that fun. For most people, you'll be the only person to read your book. So you might as well enjoy it yourself. Um, so I had heard mostly overwhelmingly negative things about Twilight in my life. Uh, probably now I'm thinking from people who had mostly outgrown it or were disparaging it out of principle. And I thought maybe there's some uh, Nickelback syndrome going on where nobody says they like it, but they're the number one selling artist or close to it for a little while. Uh, and all I knew about it was that it was a vampire love triangle. And it turns out that even that was wrong since the love triangle is apparently in a sequel and it's not actually in the first book. Uh, I'm going to try to keep my, I'm going to keep my review actually pretty positive because the book definitely exceeded my expectations, which were admittedly basically zero. Uh, but the book was better than I expected. I found the book very readable. I thought the prose was quick and simple, which I generally like. And I think there's a big plot. There's a, a big, um, plot that's secrets of the distant past, which is my favorite, my favorite thing in a plot. And it had a good pace of reveal to unravel the secret of the distant past. And I was pretty happy with the pace of that. Uh, The setting itself is well described. It was pretty concrete. And I think I could, you know, draw a picture of forks or parts of it. And I imagine I can easily imagine what the environment is like. It's constantly hammered home, which is uh, which I thought was well done. Uh, For characters, uh, Bella tries to convince you that she's unpopular and weird and doesn't fit in with quote-unquote other normal people. But the reasons for this is because she is clumsy and likes books, and she's hardly the first 17-year-old to be clumsy and like books. Uh, So she makes friends on literally the first day of of class at a new school, and I think at least four guys at school are romantically interested in her. Uh, I think, though, that I thought about this, and I think that this part of the book actually really works, because I think that a lot of people feel like, you know, especially like at that age and in that kind of high school setting, probably a lot of people feel like they're different from quote unquote everyone else. But in reality, they're not that weird. You just you like books and, you know, other people maybe not don't talk about that at school. So maybe other people can put themselves in uh, in Bella's shoes a little bit there. Um, so for the characters is basically just Bella and Edward, but I found a lot of the secondary characters were, uh, somewhat well fleshed out with backstories and motivations and insecurities that made sense. Like Bella's mom ran away from forks and then all her actions are kind of trying to take back her youth a little bit. And her dad is bummed out about why Bella's mom left. And then Bella uses that against him to pretty good effect, uh, in the plot. The vampire siblings are given character in a pretty interesting way by uh, using their extra powers to tell you something about their personalities. So I thought that was a pretty good mix of ways to make secondary characters interesting. There were a few plot elements that I really didn't like, but I want to stay on the structural stuff, so I'm going to stay on that. I was particularly unsatisfied with two parts of the book. Uh, One was the meadow scene. I felt like when it was happening, it was supposed to be a huge point of progress for the romance, but I just kept waiting for something to happen and nothing actually happened. So, and I'll get to that. And then the second one I didn't like was when the bad guy James dies off screen. I was hoping that Bella would use one of her skills or knowledge acquired throughout the book to defeat him herself at the last moment. So I was really unsatisfied when she basically wakes up in the hospital and he's taken care of already by other people. But the main reason I didn't like these points is because I missed the point of the book. The point of the book is to tell a romance story. And the it's the point of the book is not to survive a vampire attack. The vampire attack is a secondary plot point that's used to emphasize the primary plot point, which is the romance. So I guess what I've learned is that I don't really like romance plots. 
and I don't find them that compelling. Um, and this probably easily could have been a book about let's discover the secrets of the distant past of vampires and then survive a vampire attack. And to me, that would have been a way cooler story, but it's not. And that's okay. So yeah, uh, there's, I mean, I've tried to stay really positive again. There's a couple uh, specific things I wasn't a huge fan of, but that's okay. If I could change one thing about the book, it's actually really specific. I think if I was writing this book, what I would have done differently is that I would have had flashbacks throughout the book of Bella in Phoenix, unhappy with her mom and her mom always being kind of like a little, like trying to like recapture her youth and always being at the airport, trying to fly to minor league baseball games with Phil. And Bella's always sad because she doesn't want to fly everywhere. She just wants to go home and read. So she's always running away from her mom in the airport. And that's where she learns about the bathroom. And then in the end, when she escapes from the vampires, it's foreshadowed and she uses the bathroom really effectively. And as the reader, you're really satisfied about that because it would have been foreshadowed. You've been like, oh, of course she's going to use the bathroom. That's so cool. And you wouldn't have seen it coming, but it would have been really obvious. And I would have liked that a lot. That's just one thing that stuck out to me. Um, but that's not, again, that's not what the book is about. The book is about the romance. It's not about running away from vampires, surviving a vampire attack. Uh, so overall, I think I'm unqualified to review this book because I don't read any romance and I don't know anything about romance and I don't know enough to tell if the romantic plot was compelling. Uh, but I overall was actually surprised. It exceeded my um, my low original expectations. Uh, it was pretty readable and uh, some of the secondary plot lines are pretty interesting to me. I, um, I totally agree with what you said about like Bella's character. I think like it must be almost intentional that she's, you know, Jane, every woman who like underestimated herself and then goes to a new school and like whatever, all this new adventure happens for her, which you're right. It's a romance story. So her adventure like ultimately is the romantic part and like the social stuff. So like I can, you know, anyone can fit that description. So that's good. I actually thought that the romance was was pretty shit. And my my whole review is about that. Okay, well then take it away, Pat. I am 17 years late reading this book. And to be honest, I'm relieved. I'm relieved that my 13-year-old self was not influenced by the toxic relationship that blossoms in this teen romance. For anyone reading who is 13, or for anyone who needs a refresher, I have some words for you. This is not a relationship anyone should aspire to be part of. There are four stages in the cycle of domestic abuse. The cycle lasts for days or weeks or months or even hours. Uh, The first stage is the tension building phase. This is where things start to go wrong. The victim may fall into the trap of trying to appease their abuser to stop the next step of the cycle, which is the incident, but it is out of their control. I'll say that to Bella. There's another incident coming and it is out of your control. The second stage is the incident. This can be physical violence or emotional abuse. Emotional abuse can be less obvious than physical abuse. If you're in a position where your money, communication, transportation, or any other forms of independence are being controlled by someone else, it's possible that you're suffering from emotional abuse. If you have to say it's not that bad, it probably is that bad. The next phase is the reconciliation phase. If you know the term gaslighting, this is where this happens. The abuser puts the blame on the victim while diminishing the severity of the incident. They promise things uh, will be different going forward, provided the victim does not provoke them again. The last phase is the honeymoon phase, and this is the calm before the cycle repeats, and we enter the tension building phase again. It may be tough to remember if you're someone in the cycle, but you are not to blame Bella. You are not to blame for your monster's temper and bad self-control. You did not lure him in. He came to you and has done everything in his power to keep you in a state of danger so that you will have to appease his honeymoon side even while the tension builds to avert disaster. He has separated you from your friends and family and convinced you that the world is too dangerous for you to face alone. He has asked you to put everything aside to meet his needs and you are a victim. Sometimes you need to hear the words from a different perspective to realize you're in the cycle. Here's a quote uh, from just after Edward forcibly removed you from his car but before he dragged you through the woods without your consent. We'll call this the tension building phase. 
Damn it, Bella. You'll be the death of me. I swear you will. Now let's get out of here before I do something really stupid. He is referring, of course, here to murdering you. Then the incident. You are thrown over his back and dragged into the forest to a place isolated and without any way of leaving on your own. Here's a quote from the conversation you had with Edward after the incident in the reconciliation phase. Don't be mad. I couldn't help myself. I wasn't mad at you. Can't you see, Bella? I'm never angry with you. I infuriate myself uh, the way I can't seem to keep from putting you in danger. My very existence puts you at risk. Sometimes I truly hate myself. I should be stronger. I should be able to. I love you. It's a poor excuse for what I did, but it's still true. Now try to behave yourself. This brings on a brief honeymoon phase before you are once again exposed to life-threatening danger when you're introduced to a band of serial killers. Bella, I know how hard teenagers can fall in love. I was in a teen romance myself. I even married my high school sweetheart. But whenever I hear a country song on the radio that says, no one will love you like I do, or you won't find anyone else like me, I say to my wife, you could be anywhere in the world with anyone you choose, but I'm glad you chose me. That's the kind of relationship I want for you, Bella. Whether you want to leave him or not, ask yourself, if you tried to leave Edward, would he let you? And then my review is, I'm very impressed that Stephanie Mayer managed to fill 500 pages with Vampire Romeo and Juliet, but without any conflict. Even more impressed that it's actually very readable. The Thunderball was pretty cool. Two stars because Edward is a creep. Um. So, Pat, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. It, everything you said is wrapped up very succinctly, um, I think. And one note I didn't say um, during my review was um, there's a certain fanfic of this book that got published as a book about an abusive relationship without magic. And I think that if you know that and you read this book, there's no way to ignore what Pat said. Um, yes. And you bring up an even better point, the two of you that like we talked about in my first year women's studies class, which basically also ripped Twilight apart as promoting domestic abuse, like for young girls in toxic relationships. Um, I think like there's definitely truth to that, truth to that, and that it's problematic material for sure. Do I believe that characters in books need to be perfect or always make the right choices? No. Do I think it's more complicated because this is geared toward young adults? Possibly. Um, but I am a Twilight fan. I was a diehard Twilight fan when I was 14. And like I talk about in my review, I kind of grew out of it. And I'm in a very healthy relationship currently that's definitely not as intense. And, um, you know, he doesn't want to like drain me of my blood, which is great. Um, but yeah, like I have more complicated feelings about it now than I would have done maybe five years ago um, or even like 10 years ago when I was taking that women's studies class. So it's interesting. I think it's just important that like teenagers know when to like say no and like when For like, sure. it's not okay. And now, you know, there's a few moments in this book where Bella should have known better. And not only that, it's hard because her friends are kind of maybe trying to give her that hint about Edward and the Cullens, you know, that maybe it's not like the best relationship for you to get into, like when you're 17. Um, but, you know, Bella, like, is kind of a strong character in her own way where she really, really wants to be with this guy. No Stephanie matter what. Stephanie Mayer does like, I think it's on purpose. They have a few scenes where she's in the class and like clenching her fists. Mm. And at the start of the book, like Edward's doing the same thing where it's later revealed that that's because he's trying not to eat her or whatever. But like, she definitely has a similar animal attraction to him. Oh my I gosh. I totally get it. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. So... This has been the first time I've read Twilight in about 16 years. And I think the film and discussions about the book over the years have given me rose-tinted glasses. Like they always tell you how memory works. You're not remembering the first time you read that book. You're remembering the last time you thought about that book. Um, and my sister actually stopped by this afternoon and said, um, how's Twilight going? And I said, you know, I don't think it's that great of a book. Like, am I right? 
And she was like, oh, no, I think it's generally accepted that it's like pretty bad. Uh, but you will love it anyway. It's considered camp nowadays. And um, I definitely agree with that. But before I trash it, let me talk about the things I really still like about the book. Um, I actually think the prose is quite lovely and very readable. Stephanie Mayer paints this vivid picture of Forks and everyone and everything Bella interacts with there. Her beat up old truck feels like a character in itself. Each person in her orbit has a very distinct personality. They all have their own wants and needs and desires, which is a great way to write secondary characters. I found the relationship with her father to be quite realistic as well. There's the pain of a person who wants to get to know his teenage daughter, but cannot reach out told through mundane everyday interactions, just quite beautifully, actually. I also think that Edward is fascinating Living life as a permanent 17-year-old makes for a very intriguing love interest. And I actually do have a suggestion that I'll save until the end um, that Stephanie Mayer ended up doing anyway. The intensity of first love is also captured and preserved beautifully in this book. And I think it's one of the reasons why it became such a phenomenon. But with the good, there's also a lot of bad. The book could have benefited from a hefty edit the conversations that Bella and Edward have about him possibly murdering her are too long and tortured and happen way too often. It eventually feels like a very long broken record on repeat. Mare would have been better to show and not tell us so much here all the time. And God, can it get downright boring? The mystery is solved way too early with a whimper, not a bang. There seems to be very little conflict between Bella and Edward, which is a huge problem. There needs to be something actually keeping them apart. They fall in love with each other much too quickly for it to feel earned. To create tension, there is a half-assed scare at the end written far too quickly, though it does add something to the book. And here's my gripe. Despite all the explanation about why Edward is in love with Bella, I still don't understand why Edward is in love with Bella. There is no reason why. I'm completely unconvinced. I devoured this book when I was 14. I stayed up late at night with a flashlight because I couldn't put it down. And this time I did have a hard time getting through it. It made me sad. And I'm not sure if it's because I've matured and my taste has changed or if this book once spoke to me in a way I've long since forgotten. It likely has something to do with the fact that I myself was a bit of a sheltered bookish girl who found men around me to be mysterious and intimidating. Stephanie Mayer played on my Christian girl sensibilities that men were creatures of insatiable appetite that could literally kill you if they had the chance. The perfect boyfriend, in essence, is the fictional Edward, who recognizes his own thirst and restrains it. A man who could watch you sleep without wanting to take your clothes off, who insists on driving, who carries your books to class for you, all while, all the while burning inside for you. And I don't know what could be sexier than that. Now a married woman at 30, men have become somewhat demystified. As I got older, I mostly rejected the more misogynistic parts of the narrative and found that men, just like women, are complex and many are not walking around actively suppressing an insatiable thirst for women's blood, which thank God, um, though there are probably a few out there. Um, so with this new outlook on life comes a new way I have looked at this book. So probably... Um, I would give it like two out of five stars right now, but it was definitely a five out of five when I was 14. I think one of the ways Stephanie Mayer could have really improved this book, um, is by giving us Edward's perspective, because I think I would have really understood a lot more about his internal conflict with Bella, as well as why he was so attracted to her. I think it could have also added a lot more action into the book with, you know, the hunting scenes, the scenes with the family dynamic. I think actually the best scenes in the book happen very early on and toward the end. Um, the car wreck scene stands out to me as like a good plot building moment, but it's unfortunately all given up so easily for 
like little to no payoff because he basically just tells her everything. Um, so I think maybe adding in Edward's perspective would have been better. Now, Stephanie Mayer has done this. She's written a book called Midnight Sun from Edward's perspective. And apparently it's done very well. And um, there have been rumors that she intends to do all the books from Edward's perspective, but that was just an observation I would like to make. And if she was a guest on our podcast weekly and we are reading this book, it's maybe something I would have suggested. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it was fun to revisit. It's very October autumnal aesthetic. Um, so I'm also looking forward to watching the movie because I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> there were moments in this book where I was like, this is friggin' unadaptable to screen. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. And how are like they going to fill? It's a two hour runtime. I, I mean, like even the meadow scene for me the, and the dialogue, let's face it, is kind of cheesy at some parts, you know, where Edward's going as if you could outrun me, you know, things like that, um, which I would be horrified if I was a screenwriter trying to adapt this. Um so yeah, that's kind of genuinely how I'm feeling right now about this book. And I'm excited to watch the movie with you guys very soon. I'm very curious how he runs through the woods. Oh my God. And the sparkling too. I'm I think picturing like, like prancing, like like jumping through like a leopard, like on all fours. I don't know if that's true or not. It's friggin' cringy. It's very cringy when you watch it. You're, you said that... Um that they gave up the secrets and stuff and it's resolved too soon. You're absolutely right. Like I thought it was good, but I think I might've formed that opinion before finishing the book. You know what I mean? And uh, maybe, but I thought like, I really thought the first, the first part where you're like, obviously we know he's a vampire. Like everybody knows the book's been over yeah, years. as when we came in cold, but yeah, we, we knew that. But like, I was still looking for like and that. Jacob is. The, yeah. yeah. And so, like, oh, that I didn't know. Those are the two things I knew. You didn't know that? Oh, my God. That's foreshadowed so heavily, too, Lance. He's got black eyes. Yeah, but, I mean, lots of people have black eyes. No, I mean, like, Jacob Black literally says he's, like, we're the, like, wolf. Yeah. I, like, I didn't know he was going to be an actual actual werewolf. But they (laughs) do say there's scarier things in the forest than than us. That's true. That was maybe my one thing. But then I kept expecting there to be, I I like was expecting something to happen with Jacob and stuff. But the meadow scene. You should have fixed her truck. That's what had to happen. What's that? The truck should have broken down. He could have swooped in and saved the day. He's an expert on trucks. Yeah. Book two. There you go. Does that happen, Jess? And later Um, on? No. You know, it's Uh. like. Twilight, I think I would say, and I don't think this is controversial at all. It is the best book of the series because, you know, well, she sold it as a three book deal too. So there are four books. So like at the, she had written that book and then sold it as a three book deal. So I'm not exactly sure how much she had to go back and edit to like make it make sense. Um, but yeah, uh, no, stuff like that doesn't really happen, unfortunately. Um, one, one issue, I think, is that for the romance plot to go through a whole arc, um, then you need to resolve the secret early on. Maybe that was a, maybe that's the problem, right? Yeah. Because how would in, you? Yeah. Right? Well, she was you're writing right, the whole book based around that meadow scene because that's the first scene that she wrote right and that meadow scene happens in the middle of the book and it's way too long they talk so much about nothing and he runs around through the woods without her and all this stuff and and well because it's the same conflict like i also wrote down uh that they should have had edward's perspective and for this exact reason so often when they're arguing about the exact same shit about like i'm trying to eat you i'm trying to not eat you blah 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 He'll go on a like three page long rant about like, and then I was in your bedroom and then I watched you sleep and then I followed you to the place and then I read those people's minds and it made me so mad. And instead of telling Bella that and doing it all through like clunky dialogue, we could have just watched him do it and yeah. it would have been way better. I 100% agree. Like, I, and I've not read Midnight Sun. I've heard it's good. Um I don't think but, we need to read it. We know exactly what happened from his perspective because he tells Bella frequently exactly what has been happening in his life the last few days. 
Maybe it'd be cool to see him hunt a bear. No, but I don't understand. Why does he want to be with her, Pat? Uh, I, I, the smell thing, I guess. Did you, no one else notice that he's like, yeah, my smell tricks women into loving me. And then she's like, I have this like unsatiable thirst for him now. It's like, yeah, because you're tricked. He said he was going to do it. Her thoughts also, as when she's with him, her thoughts are incomprehensible and cloudy and she loses track of time all the time. I thought that was a magical thing for the first like half of the book. Oh, like I thought it was a magical reaction because she behaves completely differently with him. I also expected her clumsiness to have some kind of plot purpose also. Now that I'm thinking of it, you know, what would have been fascinating is like you read this whole book. It's all of this, right? Like, oh my God, like I'm designed, I'm the perfect predator. I'm this, I'm that, like I'm designed to take you in. And then he takes her to her her family and like they all try to kill her. Yeah, that would have been a good like. And she has to escape them. Like that's turns, like that's a good horror makes story. more sense in a way. And like, that could have happened at page 400 and there have been plenty of time to play that out. Instead of the weird, like, catch me if you can bullshit. <laughs> well, and you she'd know, be able to use the knowledge that she learned throughout the, the mystery discovery plot to survive. Right. Yeah, actually. Jacob Black yeah. could have shown up and saved the day. They already teed him up for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buddy jumps out of his wheelchair or whatever. Um, Bobby, what was his name? Jacob's, that Billy? Yeah, Billy. Oh, guys, you know, anyway, it, yeah. It, yeah, unfortunately, it's a whole lot of nothing. But it, me- it meant a lot to millions of girls everywhere. I did enjoy reading it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was extremely readable. I wasn't, like, lying about that. Um, despite nothing. Like, I was surprised, be, like, being at, at page 150, and, like, literally nothing had happened yet. That, I text you guys, like, she's got a truck. That's all that's happened so far. Totally. And then, uh, oh, I've, I wrote down some of my favorite quotes. Okay, but go like on. this is like there was there was no time getting this out in six months to do a like draft two, right? So I get how these get left in. Then um, it actually makes it make more sense. But she says, um, "Did they know that I knew? Was I supposed to know that they knew that I know or not?" I remember that's that one. That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, hi, I breathed, smiling hugely. And she says two more times, smiling hugely throughout the book. And then there's a dialogue at the dance at the end. I feel like I'm five years old. You don't look five. Like, that's a placeholder. Tell me that's not a freaking placeholder. (laughs) Anyways, but uh, most of it was quite good. Yeah. And I didn't think she was intentionally making him abusive. But like, I don't know what her relationship background is. Maybe she thought that that's what wooing looks like. Well, I kind of tried to explain it like a little bit. Like Stephanie Mayer was raised Mormon. I think she still is like a practicing Mormon. So there is that element of, you know, Christian girl courtship because they don't kiss either like for a long time. But I mean, like it's a bit risque. Like he spends the night. They're in bed together kissing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like it's, not and they talk about sex too and how he can never have sex with her because he'll literally kill her um so i mean it's hard not to read that kind of stuff and be like oh wow like there's a lot of maybe shame here around sex and sexuality um you know maybe people don't die from sex like it's fine um but i mean part of the appeal also is like having a man who wants you so badly that he could literally kill you in bed without knowing it, you know? So it's like, it's, it's this very weird um, dynamic happening. I don't know. Does that make sense to you guys? Do you guys pick up on that at all? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get the passion. The passion's totally there. Right. I just can't reiterate strongly enough how we've talked about the fanfic of this book that is, no ma- non-magical and is the template of an abusive relationship yes and i couldn't like you can't unsee it when you're reading twilight it's like the whole the whole thing you're like yep i can see exactly why this fanfic is like where it came from you know not people, having read it but well yeah like people really needed like that element in it of this the actual like consummation of the relationship right like 
people write fanfic because they feel like there's something sorely lacking like in the original text. And for Stephanie Mayer, that's always been like the sexual aspect of the relationship, right? Um, of course, until the very end. Do you know what happens in the series? No idea. No, so, I just know the Team Edward, Team Jacob shit. And okay, I'm Team Mike, by the way. Pardon? I'm Team Mike over here. <laughs> um, I also love Mike. Yeah, Mike's a beauty. There's a version of this book that exists where it's like all the normal kids in Forks just having like normal lives and like all this vampire shit's happening in the background, you know? Yeah. You know, I wonder if someone, you could write a fanfic about Mike and like Mike in the basketball tournament. And there's like weird stuff in the background. Like there's like, oh, this thunderstorm is really loud. And yeah. they just play basketball and there's, there's no vampires. <laughs> I, I'm actually going on fanfic.net right now to look up if there's any Twilight fanfic <laughs> that like specifically has Mike in it. All right. Well, while you do that, I have one more bone to pick. So oh, do it, do it. The, um, you know how, uh, well, Lance, you said, and I think it's Brandon Sanderson, right? The, like the, um, limitations are cooler than yep. uh, the abilities and magic or whatever. So cool limitation. He's like tough to be around. Like he's not quite human and he's trying to kill her or whatever. And he wants to have a relationship because he's still got human desires. Cool limitation. But then the kind of solution of course is to turn her into a vampire. And there's limitations to that too, which are kind of cool. One, he might kill her while he's doing it. And then two, um, she like will be in a lot of pain and it's not a pleasant experience. Blah, blah blah. But like they solve. Well, I mean the, the first one isn't really true. I don't think because the villain, the tracker guy, he bites her James. And then he manages to be totally fine. He doesn't eat her. She like bleeds out or whatever. But then also the three days of pain. I mean, that's not quite that. That's, I mean, they talk even about it at the end. It's not really that bad. Like there's not much of a downside. He's like, well, you'll be an unfeeling monster like me. Like, yeah, but like you're an Adonis. You like there's not that much downside to being you once, you know, it seems like it's pretty attainable to quell your thirst or whatever. I did think the Yeah, it's a good point. I really like the original book, Dracula, is really good. I don't know if yeah. either of you okay. So Jess, have you read it? Yes, and I love it's that book. Awesome. So yeah. I was talking to, I was talking to my wife about what book I would maybe recommend to you guys and you know not something that's not like a thousand pages of of unreadable names and one of the things we talked about was Dracula because it's also a vampire book and it's actually so good but the limitations of the vampire are way cooler than the strengths and I felt like you're right there's just only advantages to 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 Edward right like He's just good at everything. And the downside is like, oh, I can't go into sunlight because I'm too sparkly. Like, <laughs> that That's it. It's like, that's yeah, it. You people don't knew that vampires like, were around. Like everyone be lining up. Make me a vampire. Just don't, you know, try not to kill me, I guess. But especially if you're old, like if you're 80 or whatever, sign me up. I think like also I have an issue. Like Edward is not mad at all at Carlisle for like making him eternal like I would want to like go into that like having a full option to become like a vampire you know that's true I didn't think about that because there's not that many limitations he's like oh um I only do it to people who are like very obviously dying And, and I don't know and also like for me the family aspect is like the weirdest part where they all live together as a family and it makes sense like if you think about them as vampires because you know like they need to have a family they need to have other people around for sure so like that part makes sense but like all of them going to like the same high school and like they're all in a family but they all date and sleep with each other and they're like basically married like it's that would fall apart in a second can you imagine going to high school for eternity like that's the most unbelievable part of this book. He would be doing anything else. <laughs> he would not be in that class. But like realistically, okay, so let's say Edward, because he's in grade 11, I think with Bella in this book. So like 
you are a 17 year old vampire. Maybe you start at like grade 10 to, cause like, there's no way you're starting in grade nine. You have to start at like grade 10, like to any high school you go to. Well, she already described him as looking like an adult compared to yes. else. Okay. So, so grade, grade 10, 11, 12, sure. you graduate, maybe you take a year off. Okay. You go do something. And then you have four years of university. And then like, I think you'd have like a good 10 years, like in the workforce. Right. Before people realize that you're not 50 or whatever. Yeah. Like you're not aging. So maybe like every 20 years or so you have to start high school again. But you could just switch jobs. Like they must have, if they are going to attending school, they must have some way to like produce phony identification. Like you just keep switching jobs and, or do something completely different. You're immortal. You can do whatever you want. I'd be like, exploring the amazon or something cool you know he's, he can't even get killed and he, he's picking like really boring predators if his whole thing is like going after big predators like go to africa and you know hunt a lion no they can't go to africa what about the sun? they're too sparkly oh, too sunny. maybe like the arctic go hunt polar bears or something well they lived in alaska before they came uh, to okay. forks never mind okay good choice forks <laughs> i guess they gotta go to high school if they're going to forks okay never mind I, I feel like back. there's a lot of sun in the Arctic too. I feel like there's not like necessarily like it's tree blustery. cover. No. Yeah. I don't know. They... Okay. Oh man. Like under anyway. the sea. He said he doesn't have to breathe. He could go hunt sharks. They said yes. he's very good at swimming. That's so true. That's so fucking weird. <laughs> so, okay. So we leave off with this book, right? It's prom. Bella and Edward are together. And then <laughs> The next book, Edward fridges himself and is like, I have to leave. I can't be with you anymore. And I knew that was going to happen. I yes. So it. they break up and Bella slides into a very deep depression. Um, Did in he which, turn like, you into she... a vampire at the end of the prom? No. Oh, because no, he, he kisses doesn't. her neck at the very end, right? Oh, yeah. No, but mm. we got to keep the tension going, honey. We have a few more books to get through. Okay, true. So Edward leaves, and he doesn't tell her where he has gone. He doesn't leave any contact details or anything like that. And he freaks off, and Bella, like, slides into a very deep depression. And after months of, like, moping around her room, goes with Jessica to, like, Port Angeles to see a movie – and discovers that if she puts herself in dangerous situations, she hears Edward's voice in her head. And so now, so like she does like all this crazy adrenaline junkie shit, like with Jacob, who she kind of like maybe has a crush on, but is kind of rebounding from Edward with. And she discovers that he is also a werewolf, like in this werewolf clan. So like they kind of have like a bit of a romance. And then one day Al shows up at her doorstep and is like, I am going to bring you with me to Italy because Edward is planning on exposing himself in a crowd of people, like becoming sparkly in front of a crowd of people because he's so depressed, like that he's not in a relationship with you anymore. And if he exposes himself, this group of like the vampire Pope, basically the, the Volturi, which consists of like three people that are like vampire royalty will kill him because, you know, you can't like expose people. And so she, they go to Italy and like Bella saves Edward from like stepping out into this like sun drenched piazza in Italy. But the Volturi take an interest because like, obviously that's like an insane thing that's just happened. And um, she's presented to the Volturi and they're, they take a big interest because they're like, Oh, like, you know, we can't read her mind. Like we don't know what's going on. And then they tell Edward that he has to basically turn her into a vampire or they'll kill her at a certain date because like she can't know about them. Like you can't have mortal people knowing about vampires. So like, that's kind of the deal made. And then the next book is eclipse. And I completely forget everything that happens in that book, but Edward and Bella get engaged by the end because he's not going to like turn her into a vampire without, you know, being married to her. And then in breaking dawn, they get married they consummate their relationship and Bella ends up getting pregnant with a vampire baby. Oh my. <laughs> um, yeah. And no and one, then, does anyone else have vampire babies? This is like apparently a very rare thing that okay. happens and she's pregnant with a vampire baby and like the baby will literally get to a point where it eats her alive. Like it kills her because it will be born hungry 
And so they're kind of like in this race to figure out what to do. And it's like literally sucking the life out of Bella. Like it's horrifying. Like she's like literally a skeleton. Um, Dear God. Yeah, it's, it is actually disgusting. And then she gives birth and like the baby literally breaks her back in half. Like, and Edward has to perform a C-section with his teeth to get the baby out. <laughs> and then as Bella is dying, he turns her into a vampire and she becomes super hot and they have this great relationship. And he probably should have turned her into a vampire at the end of the prom. But then Jacob, the second half of that book is all from Jacob's perspective because he meets the baby who she names Renesme, like Renee and Esme, her her two like mothers or whatever. Yes, yes, that is real. Lance, that is real. And and uh, Edward sees this prepubescent child and imprints on her, which means like as a werewolf, he has basically found his soulmate, which is very friggin' weird. How old is the baby? Like, like five. a baby? Oh, okay, five. Yeah, she like grows up. I don't like, know if that's faster. worse or if it would be better if it's just a baby. Yeah, um, and well, the Volturi show up and like threaten to kill everyone because they're like, you can't have like a half vampire, half human baby. But then they meet Renesmee and they're like, oh, you know what? Actually, it's fine. Like in the grand tradition of Stephanie Mayer, it's actually just all fine. And yeah, and then Jacob like literally discovers that he was in love with Bella because of like an un like friggin' fertilized egg in her ovary he like Im- imprinted on and he's like in love with her child and will watch Renesme grow up and then hopefully when she's old enough they'll have like an adult relationship. So it's very fucking weird. And and that's Your the God. end. Yeah, and it's like I heard on a podcast someone said, which is very true. Um Stephanie Mayer made a fortune basically writing a horror series about what it's like to be a heterosexual woman. So I like uh, the community take Jeff Winger's like, surely you obviously aren't getting the message from those Twilight books you devour. Like men are monsters who crave young flesh. (laughs) Uh, Hearing your synopsis of the sequels. I think we're good. I wasn't going to read it. I actually okay. have my copy of Twilight has a little teaser at the end. Oh, does the it next really? One. Yeah, I didn't read that teaser. That's very fine. fun. This one was good. If, if you, this is the best one, that's. I'm not going to. Um. So, guys, there is actually Mike Newton fanfic out there. Of course. Um. One, if you're so inclined to read, um, is called Fig Newton. And the summary is, there are very few Bella Mike fix, and even fewer where he's made out to be a decent guy. I understand that a lot of people hate Mike, and I don't get why. Shouldn't the nice guy have a chance to win the race? So I wrote this quickly. I hope you enjoy the fluff, the humor, and the cuteness. Doing the Lord's work over here. Uh, I'd rather, I think I'll read that one. I'll read that if I'm not going to read the next Twilight. <laughs> oh, um, do we have a one-star review from Twilight? Oh, fuck yeah, we have a one-star Okay, can you guys give me a second? Guys, like, I think actually the movie is an improvement kind of on Twilight for that reason. I'm super excited to watch the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, but it's also unadaptable. It's like, how in the hell? Yeah, it's like the running is going to be hard to do. The sparkling. Like, just Was the running meant to be like on two legs, just going really fast? Yes. Yes. Is that what they do in the movie? Because... I don't know how she could like possibly not know that they were moving. Like that was a well, poor description of that. I like feel. in the movie, how they had to do it. Cause it's super low budget. This first one. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's so good. They had to like, you know, those airport things that you walk yeah. on. They had like yeah. Robert Pattinson run. On one of those. Super fast on one of those. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Get, get that right. makes sense i guess that's the best like i thought they would just film him <laughs> running at normal speed and then like do two times oh but like what did they had one of the directors because one of the the guy who did american pie did new moon like came in to direct new moon because they fired Catherine hardwick which was like a bad decision but he came in to direct new moon and he was like every single director because it was all different directors that did all the movies Every single director was like, okay, I, I figured out how to do the sparkling. 
<laughs> okay, now I figured out how to do the running. And it looks a bit different in every movie because of that. Like, it's so crazy. Did they make all four movies? Oh, honey. I think one of them was split, right? They did. did, I mean, five movies, right? Oh, give the Harry Potter treatment. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is amazing. I'm so curious to see how they fill two hours with this. Oh my god! Like well, I, actually, it's kind of better. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't spoil this for you. But like the like nomad vampires, like are actually committing murders around the town, like a forks, and Charlie's investigating. That's it. so much better. Yes. I love that. it. Yeah, and then yeah. they foreshadow them coming. Oh, that's way. Better. I lo- okay. Yeah. I love that. We should. So, you should put that in your review. That's way better. Oh well, no, because we'll talk about it. Like for the oh movie. yeah, okay, okay, yeah. That's but for me. like immediately, you're solving problem there, and like you're actually giving Charlie something to do too, which is like really good. Yeah, because he just goes out fishing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, like oh, I lo- love baseball and love fishing. Like, I mean, could you be mm-hmm. a more stereotypical dude in like? I know, <laughs> and and just letting your daughter just do the groceries and all the cooking and all the cleaning. You know, actually, Charlie would have benefited from like one non-masculine hobby oh Maybe that yeah. would have been one just like the most dude bro person you know <laughs> still likes one non-masculine hobby like he what, also could have like he, he was a he was an obvious potential obstacle for their relationship which there, I, I think know. we all can agree there wasn't really any obstacles there were no obstacles except so like he could have like been trying too. to get to know her better or like wanted to take her fishing and she's pulling him off or whatever but she does like hurt his feelings and then they never resolve that either. She's like, just back with him later. No problem. He dug out like his, you know, worst scab and he doesn't, you know. It's a good point, Pat. It's a good point. Uh, I think, yeah, you're right. Like, you got to do the, you got to close each bracket you open. Totally. And also you got to open each bracket you use to close. And that's why I like, like, I know my, my thing was hyper-specific. But that's how I would have done the airport bathroom thing. Because I thought, I was like reading it and I was like, this would have been such such an easy, I mean, putting flashbacks in a book just to make the ending more impactful. Actually, that's exactly what I do. So that's why I liked it. Oh, that's a thing. That's a thing people do for sure. And, and this book would have been your second draft, which never happened for this book. That's what really no. happened. Insane. Okay. Are we ready? Fired up. So there are some Goodreads reviews of Twilight. There are a lot of one-star reviews that are very angry. There is a very funny one where it's a Twilight drinking game. And it says, take a sip every time. Edward smiles crookedly. Bella trips on something. A random guy is jealous of another random guy Bella is talking to. Edward has a wicked glint in his eye. Bella says she's not hungry. Take a shot every time. You wonder whether this town is suffering from a woman-only pandemic or general shortage of women, just because at least that would explain the low-grade tsunami of high school students constantly flooding Bella's proverbial DMs. Edward refers (laughs) to Bella, the person he is lusting after so intently that, oh my god, what the hell? Edward refers to Bella, the person he is lusting after so intently that his boners are setting off earthquake detectors as a child. Does anyone know what that means? No idea. No idea. Okay. No idea. <laughs> I did not catch that in the book. Earthquake detectors. There's a memorable moment when your crush is like, hey, I'm probably going to kill you, sad face. And you're like, oh my God, that's so sad that you have to deal with that. <laughs> I remember that part. <laughs> if not more than one part, but there's one specific part where she's like, oh, I wouldn't want that for you or whatever. The reviewer goes on to say, realized I typed drinking game above when I meant to say ways to get alcohol poisoning within 20 pages. Autocorrect. (laughs) The good news is that you don't even have to be zonked beyond human comprehension to have fun with this book. It is just fun. Even as it's problematic, even as it's poorly written, even as it's kind of unoriginal and not well characterized and generally lacking in all those areas that tend to make books good. (laughs) This is simply never not fun. I wish I could lie and say it's unpleasant. I wish I could pretend to be better than this book and unsusceptible to its charm and genuinely exist at superhuman levels of judgment and clarity and coolness as per usual. But I'm honest. And above all, this is just a fun read. Sorry, take it up with the bad book justice system. Bottom line, I'm not proud. That's a great review. That's very much also how I feel about this book. get that person on the podcast literally maybe that's a good place to end it 
Yeah, let's call it a day. Uh, that was our first book club with Twilight. Um, who's picking the next one? Do we have an idea? We could get started on sourcing the book. I'd be happy to pick the next one, but I need... Uh, you need some time? I, need, no I don't problem. need a lot of time, but I just don't want to pick. I'm also I'm, I'm debating, like, I actually was thinking about... Well, anyways, we can talk about ideas later. Okay, we'll talk offline. All right, thanks for listening, and remember to just keep writing. This was so fun, by the way. It was fun, yeah. I'm smiling hugely right now. Smiling hugely. (laughs) If you're smiling hugely. Can we we make smiling hugely the new, like, what's that laugh that's in all the, like, fantasy movies? It's like, ah! Or not the laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah, the the Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm scream. Yeah, the smiling hugely should be the new Wilhelm scream. What is the Wilhelm scream, please? Uh, so there's like this comedy scream from like this old movie and it's like, ah! uh, everyone a who dies in a it. movie, you'll recognize there's, it right there's away. There's ones in Game of Thrones. It's in like Monty Python. It's in all kinds of stuff. Just YouTube and, it. You'll recognize it right away. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, anyway, so you just sneak it into your movie and, and it doesn't matter if it's like a serious part or whatever. So you just sneak in smiling hugely into your books now. Okay. I will find a way to get smiling hugely into um ides of august though that's might be a bit hard the rage lightnings destroyed the, all the mountains reduced them to smithereens <laughs> and killed five thousand people at once as sabin smiled hugely <laughs> princess mariposa emerged from her cocoon smiling hugely <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>